All right, y'all. Shoot. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode, officially episode five of the International Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 16th, and it's a beautiful day. This is your host, Noah Williams, and, I, and I'm glad to bring y'all more content, more information, more news on uh, the NBA and the culture around us. I hope everybody's feeling good. I hope you're feeling great. And I uh, hope you guys have a great day moving forward. And, and, and thank you for tuning in with me and spending a little bit of time with me today. Um, you know, as we got our NBA season coming closer and closer, um, it's really intriguing. And, and, and there's a lot of things to look forward to. You know, there was a lot of offseason moves, um, a lot of star players coming back off injury, a lot of young players building um, on things that they did in the past. Uh, and this is one of the most exciting NBA seasons, especially with with the start of the season being pushed back a little bit. Um, I know this is something I'm definitely looking forward to. NBA fans around the country are looking forward to. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great one. I, I really think that we are in for a phenomenal season. No cap. And uh, I, w- I was checking it out, uh, ESPN's website, and they and Zach Lowe, I'm not sure if you guys know who Zach Lowe is, but he um, – He's one of like the uh, analysis for ESPN. He does NBA stuff, and, and he created a list of the five most intriguing players for this upcoming season. And I thought it was it was pretty interesting. I don't really agree with everything that he was saying, but um, he ranked uh, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter, Marvin Bagley, Kevin Durant, and Zach Collins as the most um, interesting players to watch or intriguing players to watch. For this upcoming season, now let's let's talk about Laurie Markkinen, right? I think Laurie Markkinen. I think this is his fourth season in the NBA, fourth, third, fourth, or fifth season, something like that. And he's always been a very talented player. Every time I watch Chicago play, when he's healthy, um, he could do Dirk Nowitzki esque things. He could do Kristaps Porzingis esque things. I think he is a lower tier Kristaps Porzingis. Um, I think he has a great jump shot. I think he has a great, you know, turnaround game. But it's just something that he's missing. I'm, re- I'm really not sure exactly what it is that he's missing. But he obviously hasn't put all the pieces together. And I see why Zach Lowe would make this list and put him on there because the, the potential is definitely there. The talent is most definitely there without a doubt. But there's two problems with him. I think his health is the number one thing because he hasn't played nearly a full season yet. Um, in his short career. And another thing is his confidence. You know, I think when he came in, he just didn't have the most confidence coming from Europe and coming to the American game, whatever, whoop de whoop de whoop And uh, I'm not sure he's gotten that green light to go ahead and, you know, completely be himself and play his game, all that, you know. So I think he will be interesting to watch um, along with Wendell Carter. I always liked Wendell Carter, even when he was at Duke. I thought he was a very strong, post-proficient player, defensive player too, and he can distribute very well from the post. I thought that was really interesting because not many post players can distribute as well as him. I mean, yeah, you have like Jokic and uh, Marcus Gasol and guys like that, and Bam Adebayo. Obviously, he's not he's not there with his uh, passing ability, but he's definitely a very talented passer. Um, he could score very well. He could score at will, honestly. Um, and he's a great rim protector, a great defender. He can switch and guard probably three or four different positions. Um, I think Wendell Carter has a really high ceiling, much higher than 
um, Lori Markkinen. And I kind of like what Chicago's building there with their two bigs who can both knock down jump shots and they kind of play like this modern style of basketball, kind of positionless. Um, obviously, they're not point guards, but they're kind of positionless. You can move those two around a little bit. Um, speaking about Wendell Carter and uh, Lori Markkinen. But, um, yeah, I really like what they're building out there. Um, their stars, obviously, Zach Levine, and he's stepped up every season. Every season um, since his days in Minnesota, he's gotten better and better. Uh, he came from just a, a guy in the dunk contest to an actual legitimate shooting guard and uh, someone who can who can score 20 points a night and do it rather efficiently. So I really like him. Um, and Kobe White, man, Kobe White, when he was at UNC – I'm, I wasn't sure how his game was going to translate because he seemed just like a open court, um, fast paced kind of guy, big play ability, but not really like a, you know, create his own shot, um, create shots for others. I didn't see him as that type of point guard. I just saw him kind of like a, a Dennis Smith Jr. or maybe, you know, uh, a Markel Fultz. You know, I, I thought he was going to be somewhere in there, but. He's proven to be a very talented player, um, great in the pick and roll. He has a great three-point shot. He could really shoot, and that's one thing with these young point guards. I feel like every young point guard coming into the NBA now, all these dudes can shoot, and, and that's dope because I feel like the old um, the old belief on, on, on young black point guards was that they can't shoot, you know, and that's more so the era of, like, Rondo, then you got, you know, Westbrook when he came in, John Wall, guys like that. They couldn't really shoot very well, like from the distance, but they could get to the basket. You know, they could distribute and they can make those flashy plays, but they never were able to shoot the three ball very effectively. And I think that's one thing that this young generation is doing, guys like Kobe Long. I mean, Kobe White, shoot. Shout out to Kobe Long, though. That's my boy. Um, Kobe White, uh, obviously Trey Young. You know, you got these young guards that are coming in, and these dudes are snipers. Um, but back to back to um, Zach Lowe's top five list. So he had Laurie Markkinen, he had Wendell Carter, and he had Marvin Bagley. That's third third man that he listed. Um, Marvin Bagley, I mean, super athletic, super long, plays in Sacramento. I mean, I think he's a good player. Um, I was hoping more, like we would have seen more from him thus far in his career, his short career, but. We haven't really seen much from him. I mean, I, I'm, I believe he's had some injury problems as well. But uh, Bagley's is like a stretch four, stretch five almost. Um, good handles, can get to the basket, can shoot over either shoulder in the post. Um, he's a super talented player. He's got a, a pretty pretty deep offensive bag, offensive package. But I don't think he has put it all together either. I don't think he's um, been successful in doing that. But, you know, with De'Aaron Fox emerging as a better and better point guard every year, um, I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, Sacramento can build out there. We know Buddy Hill is a knockdown shooter. Uh, I believe they lost Bogdan. I'm not positive on that, but I believe they lost him. So Sacramento, you know, they don't really have any star power. There's not really much to look forward to there. Their ceiling is probably an eight seed. That's I think that's as best as they can do this year is an eight seed in the Western Conference, which isn't isn't much. And if they do get that eight seed, they're getting swept in the first round. So, um, yeah, I don't know what's good with Sacramento. It's like every year, you know, their their expectations are the same. Anywhere from the lottery to the 10th seed in the Western Conference. Um, 
never never really have taken a step forward since you lose Mike Bibby and Chris Webber back in like 2002. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because I really like some of the guys that they have on the team, like Buddy Heald and, and De'Aaron Fox, but uh, they're just, their talent just isn't there. Coaching isn't there. Um, yeah, they just don't have that star player that can really get them over the edge to that 50, 45, 50 win um, level, you know, that you need to be at in the Western Conference if you want to make the playoffs. And, and I mean, it's unfortunate because the Western Conference, you got about nine teams that are, let's say you got about three teams that, that are uh, championship contenders every year in the West. And then you got about six teams that are going to be very, very good teams and, and they're going to be very competitive in the Western Conference. And uh, unfortunately for the Kings, they're usually never in that, in that, uh, in that group. But we'll see what Bagley can do. If Bagley can step up and, and have a, a season that he, I'm sure he's he's capable of having, um, averaging about like 18 and 10 or 12. If he can, if he can get to 18 and 12 for them with De'Aaron averaging around like 20, and if De'Aaron can average about 20 and, and eight, and you know he can get Buddy to about 17, 18 points a night, then we're really talking something there. Um, but until that happens, you know, I'm not really sure where that franchise is headed other than the lottery uh, to try try again next year. So um, Marvin Bagley is another guy on uh, Zach Lowe's list. Next year, Kevin Durant. And I think that's pretty obvious. You know, Kevin Durant, when we last saw him, in my opinion, was he left the game as the best player in the NBA. I mean, yeah, you got LeBron and LeBron does so many great things on the court for his teammates himself creating plays, thinking ahead of the game. And I'm not knocking LeBron at all. I love LeBron. Um, on and off the court, I love LeBron. But I think it was pretty obvious to me and to others. When we last seen KD in, in those 2019 playoffs, when he came in off the off the, uh, the injury to his calf, he was superior. He was unstoppable, like – We've seen him come in against in that Toronto series for maybe 12 minutes before he tore his Achilles. And those 12 minutes that he came in, he absolutely dominated Toronto. Kawhi Leonard, no answer. Serge Ibaka, no answer. Uh, Siakam, no answer. Nothing. They could do absolutely nothing with him. He was going to get what he wanted, do what he wanted. And that kind of was the story for him uh, the day he touched Golden State. I mean, yeah, he... He could draw more one-on-one matchups, and he is a literally a one-on-one nightmare. Um, so if KD can return to that level in Brooklyn this year, I think I, I don't know. I think I think it'll be very interesting to see how everything plays out with Kyrie and the chemistry of the team and Steve Nash, new head coach. It's just so many um, factors that go into winning a title, you know. And I think that the Lakers already have those blocks in place, those pieces in place. And it's not like they came in and, and they made huge moves in the offseason, but they made two significant enough moves to keep them atop of the NBA. And those were Montrez Hill and Dennis Schroeder to really shore up their bench and shore up guys who can create their own shot. Now, I could tell last year they were trying to really make Kuzma that third guy who could come in off the bench and just get buckets, you know, create his own shot, uh, 
get shots deep in the fourth quarter, but he doesn't seem to be that guy consistently. I think he's he's lacking confidence in his game, and um, he's, he's not quite there. I think he's out of rhythm. Ooh, excuse me. I think he's out of rhythm a lot of times, um, especially when he's got LeBron and AD on the court, which, I mean, it's not surprising. Like, those guys are ball-dominant players, so a guy like Kuzma, who is a ball-dominant uh, forward, it's going to be tough for him to catch that rhythm and keep that rhythm um, when you got two guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the court with you. Uh, but, you know, since they got Schroeder, I think Schroeder will um, take that third scoring role. Harold will probably be that fourth option. And you can delegate that fifth option to Kuzma, where I think he would be much more comfortable, much better. I think he would be much more of a spark if he is that fifth scoring option, you know, coming off the bench, not too much expectation for him where he can just go out there and hoop. Um, Kuzma likes to look pretty and look cool and shit. You know, he's got the tattoos, he dyes his hair and does the braids and shit. I mean, it's cool, you know, be trendy, um, express yourself. And I'm all for that, but I think it's kind of come at, a, at his, at the expense of his game. I think his game has fallen off ever since he's gotten into this whole pretty boy thing, but that's neither here nor there. Back to Zach Lowe's list. He put Zach Collins in there. And I don't know why. Because Zach Collins has to be one of the most boring players to watch in the NBA. Now, I understand that um, he's going to have a bigger role in Portland. I believe he plays in Portland. Hold on. I believe I believe Zach Collins still plays in Portland. But I'm not uh, completely positive. So, let's look. Zach Collins. Yeah, he still plays with Portland, so it's like you got Nurkic there, right? You got you got a uh, yeah. Nurkic is the only big man because you get rid of um, Hassan Whiteside, so you got you got Zach Collins and Nurkic, right? So he's speaking on Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter, Marvin Bagley, KD, all players with very high ceilings. And then you put Zach Collins on the list. I feel like that was just kind of like a – let's just throw Zach Collins in the mix, you know. I don't think he's very interesting to watch. I don't I don't think he's capable of averaging any more than 12 points a game, maybe two blocks, 10 rebounds, maybe, maybe. I don't see much in him. I never saw much in his game. My ESPN analysts always hype him up, and I always watch his game, and I'm like, dude, where is it? Like, where is it, you know, but shoot, I mean, we're going to have to watch it, watch and see how this, uh, how this all plays out. Cause shit, I mean, I guess they know something over there at ESPN, but who knows? So they got their list and, and this is my list, right? So my list of five most intriguing players for the 2021 season is Katie for obvious reasons, coming off the Achilles, uh, seeing what he could do his first year in Brooklyn, John Wall, also coming off Achilles and heel surgery. Uh, this is his first year in Houston, and what we've seen from him in the preseason has been rather exciting. I was watching him last night. He, he still had some burst. Um, he still had some explosion. He was able to get 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 to the basket off the dribble uh, just success, successfully as he would before the injury. So I think it'll be really interesting to see him in Houston. I don't think that Harden will be there for very long. Um, but I think John Wall in Houston will definitely be something 
interesting to see, especially because he's got his boy out there with him uh, in uh, DeMarcus Cousins. So we'll definitely see see how that plays out with John Wall. And another int- intriguing player that I think is a must-watch player for, for this season is Devin Booker, right? Devin Booker spent his whole career in Phoenix with nobody watching him, nobody really paying much attention to what he does, but he has a complete offensive game. Three-point shot there, create his own shot there, mid-range pull-up there, money. Get to the basket, money. Finishing ability, money. Free throw shots, money. Turnarounds, money. Great player. One of the best offensive players in, in the NBA. Top five. Easily top five score. Um, shot creator, shot maker, big shot maker, big shot taker, confidence guy. And uh, with the acquisition of Chris Paul, <laughs> yo, and, and Devin Book is only like 24, 25 years old maybe and still hasn't really entered his prime. I think we're only going to see another leap in his game, his performance, and uh, I think he's going to be absolute must-watch TV. Um, yeah, I think Chris Paul is really going to elevate him, help his confidence, help him get open more. Uh, if DeAndre Ayton can stay healthy, I think that will take even more of the load off of him. And uh, this this will be a super, super exciting Suns team to watch. Um, as long as, obviously, these guys can stay healthy. I don't think chemistry will be an issue with them. Um, I think those three players mesh really well together. And Devin Booker is really going to be that guy who who, who moves that shit forward um, in everything that they're trying to do. So look out for the, look out for the signs and look out for Devin Booker. Mm. And get some power rating. Feel me. Shout out power rating. You know, they need to sponsor the kid, but you know what that is. You know how that go. Um, next most intriguing player, we got Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, moving from, from New Orleans to uh, the Bucks, is going to have a lot of um, pressure on him. And I think he is a very good player under pressure. I watched him play in Philly. I watched him play in New Orleans. And this dude, when I say a dog, offensively and defensively, scared of no one, backs down from no challenges, backs down from no big shot. Got confidence in himself to take and make those big shots. And I've seen him do it. I'm not talking, oh, as time expires, you know, he hit the big shot as time expires. No, no. I'm talking about down the stretch, two minutes and 18 seconds left. Your team down four. He comes up with, he gets an and one, gets a stop on the other end, gets a gets an assist on the other end Feel me for, for his team to take the lead deep in the fourth quarter. I'm talking plays like that I've seen Drew Holiday make. Um Plays where you got to have some balls to, to make, you feel me? And he's super talented. He's a very athletic guard, super quick, um, and he's a strong guard too, combo guard. I think he's everything that Milwaukee needs. Honestly, when I seen Milwaukee, when they made this this uh, move, I was kind of like, I was kind of, you know, intrigued for real. I was kind of like, yo, like, with Drew Holiday, they, they really might take that that next step. Because, you know, they had Eric Bledsoe, and Eric Bledsoe's not bad. He's not a bad point guard. He could play. He could be could play, for sure. But he is not on a stratosphere with Drew Holiday. Mm-mm, no. Heck no. Drew Holiday's a two-way. I want to say he's a star just because of his talent level and, and things he's proven to be able to do. But let's say he's a two-way great player. I don't know. But he's going to definitely be int- intriguing to watch. 
out there in Milwaukee. Um, obviously, Barney stays healthy. I really just pray for the health of all these guys. Um, we've seen in the NFL so many injuries uh, because they didn't have the proper training camp and the proper offseason. And the N- NBA's offseason has been even worse. These guys haven't had any time. Um, really training camp and things like that, a shortened preseason. Uh, so I really hope that these guys can stay healthy. I hope they're doing the things that um, they need to do to take care of their bodies for the long haul um, and the rest of the season. So I think it'll be really intriguing. But, um, yeah, I really pray for these guys. And the fifth guy, rounding off my list uh, of most intriguing players to watch this upcoming season, will be Tyler Hero. Now, I know if, if you watch the bubble, you know Tyler Hero is, is a bucket. He's a young player, super confident player. Um, and I've never quite seen a rookie since maybe Kyrie with that much just com- like pure confidence in himself. Um, dude will not hesitate to take a shot. And he's going to keep shooting, too. Um, even when he was off against, you know, the Lakers in the finals. Um, who was that against? Um, was it Boston, maybe? Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals or Toronto, somebody, he was just hitting big shots after big shots. And uh, I know he was working a lot this short offseason. And uh, he's really looking to build on what he did as a rookie. Um, hopefully put on a little bit of weight because he was getting pushed around a little bit. But that shot, man, is, is deadly. He can create his own shot, um, get to the bucket, got the mid-range pull-up. He's got that three-point catch-and-shoot. So, um I think Tyler Hero is going to have a really, really big season. I think he's going to step up for Miami as well into a little bit of a bigger role. Um, Obviously, they have, you know, Bam, uh, Jimmy, Kendrick Nunn, Dragic, um, Duncan Robinson, all those guys. um, Got a great – I think they lost Jay Crowder, though. But uh, they've got a great team in Miami. I don't think they're going to get back to the finals. I think they'll be a good team, maybe five five seed again, right, five, four, three, four, five seed. right in that range, but I don't really see them making too much noise. I think that Philly got better. I think that Brooklyn obviously got better, and I think that um, the Bucks got better, and I feel like the only thing that's getting Miami any better is the growth of their youth in Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Bam Adebayo. Um, I think we kind of know what Bam is. Bam is a, a star in the making, and I, I'm not sure how much more he's going to grow this year but somebody that we could definitely see growing and I can see him taking those steps this immediate year is Tyler Hero. So that is my, my five most intriguing list, intriguing players to watch list this year is Kevin Durant, John Wall, Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Tyler Hero. Can't go wrong with that list. Um, next, what I really wanted to talk about was this whole Giannis Antetokounmpo um, max deal. Uh Giannis got a max deal, making him the, the, the most highest play, paid player in NBA history. And if you're Milwaukee, I get it. I definitely understand you're a small market, and uh, you're probably never going to get a player anywhere near to the talent of Giannis ever again. But Giannis is not a number one. Giannis is a great player. He doesn't really have an offensive bag yet, right? And I, I'm hoping he gets one because if he does, he will – get Milwaukee straight to the finals. His lack of an offensive bag, when I say offensive bag, I mean pull-ups, 
three-point shots, get into the lane, you know, do something other than run real fast and dunk real hard, or run real fast, Euro, dunk real hard, or run real fast, spin, dunk real hard. That's not an offensive bag. You feel me? You got to have some sort of hezzy pull-up, you know, cross step back, um, something to where you can put points on the scoreboard in the playoffs efficiently, right? You know, you could do that fast pace, running up and down, dunking on somebody in the, NBA, in, the in the regular season. But we've seen now two years in a row when the game slows down, defense can kind of settle in on him. That shit don't work no more. Like he get charges and turn the ball over and looking goofy as hell. He's just got to develop that outside game. He's got to develop more of a mid range bag. The nigga is seven feet, so you could and he big as shit, so you could post anybody up. But uh he's not a one. He's not he's not a one. He's a two. On the championship team, excuse me. On championship team, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a two. He's not a one. You put it you put him in a situation where he could go to Golden State? Yeah. Of course. They're winning a title. They're sweeping the playoffs. But um, he's not a one. He, no, it's just not there. His game's not there. He's talented. He's young. He's fiery. He's got a lot of heart, passion, and love for the game. And that is obvious when he plays. I think it's beautiful to watch his passion. Really reminds me of uh, Russell Westbrook. But he's just not there talent-wise. He's not a number one, period. He's just not. He's just not. He's, he's never even been to the conference final. ESPN sucks this guy's dick every day. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis this, Giannis that, Giannis this, Giannis that. Giannis can't fucking shoot. How can you hype somebody up so much that can't shoot? Shooting is one of the most important components of, of the game. And if you can't do that, you can't be the best player. You can't. You just can't. Nigga, you can't shoot, bruh. The fuck? I'll back off you, nigga. I'll close my eyes and turn around. You can't shoot. You're not the best player, bro. Just because you real 700 feet tall and can dunk real good, nigga, no. No. That does not qualify you for the best player in the world, in, in my opinion. But maybe I'm crazy, though. Maybe I'm crazy. Honestly, like, when I look at the top-tier players, I might have talked about this last week, but when I look at the top-tier players, I really can't put Giannis in there. If we talk about the things that they could do on the court, like the actual skill and shot creating ability, like he just doesn't have that at all. He just has run real fast, run real hard, dunk real hard, <laughs> like with maybe a Euro and a spin move in there somewhere. So, I mean, all in all, like he really doesn't have that bag that, you know, like a Devin Booker or a KD has or even LeBron has or Anthony Davis has or Damian Lillard has, or James Harden, or, you know, even Paul George. Paul George has no confidence in himself, but he has a bag. Like, don't get me wrong, he has a bag. You feel me? Steph Curry, like, those guys all – Kyrie, those guys all have offensive bags. And if you want to say, oh, well, well, he's seven feet tall. Okay, you got KD with an offensive bag. You got Joel Embiid, offensive bag. You got Nikola Jokic, offensive bag. Even Ennis Cantor has a crazy offensive bag. Y'all must not be watching. Chris Stapps, offensive bag. So all these players are seven feet tall, and they all have crazy offensive bags, way crazier. Bam Adebayo, 
he's shorter than those guys, but he's still got a bag. Giannis just doesn't, doesn't have that. And and he – we just going to have to wait and see how this season plays out. You know, I just spoke about how they got Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton is, is obviously a good player. Um, but we're, we're just going to have to wait and see. Ooh, shit, I keep yawning. Ooh. We're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. And uh, I'm not wishing bad upon him. Hope he has a great season. I really like him as a guy. I think he's a great dude. Um, he came from nothing, so it's like it's beautiful to see him get his cheese and, uh, you know, be f- uh, financially successful now and, and all that. But I just don't think he's that guy. I think he's a, a number two guy. You know, if he played with Luca, oh, my goodness. If he played with Luca, they're going straight to the finals. But he doesn't play with Luca, so they're not going straight to the finals. They're not beating Brooklyn. They're not beating Philly. And they probably still won't beat Miami. And they'll probably still have problems beating Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown over there. And Kemba Walker, yeah, he's all right. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, them boys is the truth. Them boys, hold on. I'm about to go on a little rant about them two right there because those two might be the most slept-on duo in the NBA. In all honesty, if we're talking about playoff basketball and the things that they did last year and the year before that, they are a better one-two than Kawhi and Paul George. Now, I'm not saying they're necessarily better than those two yet. Tatum's, I think Tatum's on their level. But if we talk about their actual performance on the court, as opposed to Kawhi and Paul George's performance on the court in the playoffs, they played better than Kawhi and Paul George, period. No discussion, no debate, none of that. They played better than those guys, like, period. Yeah, people have their agendas and they want to push for Kawhi being the best player and and Paul George still being an MVP candidate. They're not that. They are not that. Kawhi is not not even close to being the best player in the NBA. He's not even close to being a top five player in the NBA. He's literally Andre Iguodala with a better jumper. So you're not in the conversation at all, Kawhi. No, fuck, no, fuck, no, fuck, no, fuck, no. No way are you in the conversation for best player in the NBA. No possible way if you just did what you just did in the games in, in games five six and seven against the Denver Nuggets team and you go absolutely hiding after talking all that shit all year long about how this your city and I came for the crown and this that and the third I ain't want to go to the Lakers because I want to beat LeBron I'm gonna be I'm better than LeBron nigga you not better than a lot of players you damn sure do. don't even mention the name LeBron bro you play in the basement of Staples. You went to the Clippers, bro. That that's just to prove that you're not good, bro. You just went to the Clippers. Any nigga that really like wants to go to the Clippers, I, I feel like they're just not good. Like who wants to play for the Clippers, though? I'd rather play for the damn Orlando Magic than play for the Clippers. I'd rather play for I'd rather play for the Minnesota Timberwolves than play for the Clippers. I'd rather play for. I'd rather play for the Cleveland Cavaliers than play for the Clippers. Who wants to play for the Clippers? What? The Clippers? Bro, you had a chance to go to the Lakers and Paul George, too. And Paul George. Paul George said, oh, I'm going to the Lakers. I want to go to the Lakers or some shit. And don't. Paul George. Let me see what you do to me, Paul George. You're terrible, bro. Depression, I understand. Mental illnesses is real. 
understand all that. If you feel that your mental state is not in a place where you could perform on the basketball court, don't play. Don't play. But don't go out there and play in the NBA playoffs and play like shit. And then after three months later, you want to blame other people and blame your your mental state. No, bro. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because it, it's not there for me now, bro. You played. If you play, I can only judge you off what you did on the court. And what you did on the court was some bullshit. Shooting off the side of the backboard. Turning the ball. Losing the ball. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be a, a wing player with great handle. Create your own shot. Big shot maker. Big shot taker. But you fold every time you get in the playoffs. When you play in Indiana, you fold it in the playoffs every year. When you got to OKC, you fucking folded in the playoffs. That's why Russell Westbrook ain't want to play with your ass no more. And Russ, I could say a lot, of, a lot of things about Russ, but that nigga is gonna play hard, especially in the playoffs. He steps up in the playoffs. Not you, Paul George. You suck in the playoffs. You suck. You turn into you turn into. But Gary Trent is better than you in the playoffs. <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. is better than you in the playoffs, Paul George. And that's just facts. Facts with no capping. You know, and, and you know, with their with these two guys, I can see why there's so much hype around the Clippers. I understand, you know, bringing in those two names, um, why that would bring so much hype. But let's look at their actual roster, right? They lose Montrez Harrell. You don't sign Rondo. Now, if you had signed Rondo, I would have put you right up there with the Lakers as best teams in the West. But you don't sign Rondo. You lose Harrell. You lose Shamit. You lose Doc Rivers. So your starting point guard is Patrick Beverly still. Patrick Beverly, you need on this team, when you got two wings like that, you need a facilitating shot creating point guard. Somebody who can literally create shots for their teammates, make it easier for their teammates with a great IQ of the game. And Patrick Beverly is none of those things. Patrick Beverly is literally just a troll on the court. He's just a big troll. Can kind of shoot, not really. Like he, I mean, if he's got an open shot, yeah, he'll knock it down. But um, defensively, he's not even like all that. He's just real loud, for real. Like, he's just real loud. I feel like that's the only thing that separates Patrick Beverly from the rest of the NBA is that he's real fucking loud. Lou Williams. He's declining, obviously. I mean, he's not the player that he used to be. I love Lou Williams. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, but he's not the player he used to be. I mean, who else you got over there? Shit. Patrick P Patrick Patterson. Reggie Jackson. It's not looking good for, for the Clippers. I don't think those two guys can get them to a championship. Like, I think it's very unrealistic to be even speaking about them as one of the best three teams or two teams in the West. I think you got L.A. and Dallas. I think those are the best two teams in the West. L.A. and Dallas. And you can't count out Denver because of what they did last year, and they're a young team only getting better. And Michael Porter Jr. is going to have a phenomenal season this year. Uh, he's actually my pick for most improved player of the year. Michael Porter Jr. The dude is a fucking bucket, okay? 6'10 with a with a bag of damn near a shooting guard. Michael Porter Jr. is going to have a phenomenal season this year. You bet your you can bet your nickels and your pennies on that shit for sure. Um I actually have some NBA predictions for the season. Uh 
And that's how that's how I want to finish up today with some with some uh, predictions. So we got uh, let's see here, our champs, Los Angeles Lakers, repeating. They gonna they gonna beat the Nets, and I'm gonna say six games. They'll beat the Nets in six games in the NBA Finals. So I'm gonna write it down though. December sixteenth, Lakers Nets championship. Lakers and six. We got the champs, Lakers. Now we got an MVP, regular season MVP. I got a safe pick, and I got my 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 wishful, hopeful pick. But I really do think it's gonna happen. I think KD is gonna win MVP. I really do. I think the the way that the awards go is more so a narrative than like who is the most valuable player. Like when I think of the most valuable player, it's not like it's either got to be the best player in the NBA in the regular season, or it's got to be who is the most, like literally the most valuable to their team success. Like if you take that player off, what would they be? If you put them back on a team, what are they? You feel me? Like who is the most valuable to their team? So every year the players that have to be in that MVP conversation is Steph Curry, since he's healthy. We seen what they were last year. They were the worst, I believe they were the worst team in the West. Dead last in the Western Conference. So yeah, I'm going to say Steph Curry, got to be an MVP conversation. LeBron James, got to be an MVP conversation. Luka Doncic, got to be an MVP conversation. KD, got to be an MVP conversation. Yeah, Brooklyn made the playoffs without him. But they weren't an elite team, title contending team without him. James Harden, got to be an MVP conversation. Giannis, got to be an MVP conversation. Because without these guys on the team, they're this much. Then now, if you're going by most valuable, right? This is why I think that, that the MVP award really is some bullshit because it's a narrative. But if you look at most valuable, if you take that player off the team, where are they? Obviously, the worst team out of all those players or the worst team, yeah, team out of all those players without their player is Golden State. Golden State without Steph Curry is absolute dog shit, okay? With Steph Curry this year, I believe that they'll be a top six seed in the West. Now, it, it can't be always, oh, it's the best player on the best team. That's not fair. Like, that doesn't mean MVP. Like, Giannis was obviously the best player on that Bucks team for the past two years, right? But he was not – if you take him off, there's still going to be a playoff team that gets bounced in the first or second round. And, and with him, they're a playoff team that gets bounced in the first or second round. Like, it, he can't be the MVP. But when you got somebody like James Harden, who should have been the MVP for the past few years, probably for the past three years, you take him off that Houston team, they are fucking awful. They don't make the playoffs without James Harden. James Harden puts that team on his back damn near every single night. Yeah, he's had talent around him. I'm not arguing that. He's had Russell Westbrook. He's had Chris Paul. You know, he's had Capella and Harden. I mean, Howard, all these guys. But you take James Harden off of any of those teams, none of them make the playoffs. And if they do, they're an eight seed. With James Harden, they were a one seed on the verge of knocking off a fucking Golden State team in the Western Conference Finals. So, um... I think it's unfair the way that we grade this whole MVP thing. But, uh, you know, considering the narrative and how they do things, 
my prediction would be either KD coming off this injury and coming back to probably scoring about 28, 29 points a game. That's my prediction for him. Or Luka. Luka is super valuable to his team. Uh, Dallas is going to take a, a leap forward this year. And he's going to absolutely shine. He's going to dominate. No doubt in my mind that Luka is going to absolutely dominate and prove that he's a top five player in the NBA. Maybe even top three. He's young, but maybe even top three. Um, he's got the talent. He's got the confidence. He's He's got everything. He's got everything, maybe except for the athletic ability, but he can do everything without that. He doesn't really need it. So we're really looking forward to what Luka does this year. One of my favorite players to watch um, and favorite players to root for. So let's see what Luka Doncic can do this year. Uh, rookie of the year, I got LaMelo Ball. I don't think this is a very talented rookie class. I wasn't really too excited about it. Um, so I think LaMelo's the most talented, NBA-ready, heavy skill set, offensive bag player. Uh, and he's in a system where he could shoot, you know, 15, 20, 25 times a game um, if he wants to. So I think we, we'll go with LaMelo as rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. That goes without saying. He should have got the shit last year. I'm not sure. He might have unless they gave it to Giannis. <clears throat> but I think that uh, Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo are going to be like the two front runners for that Defensive Player of the Year award, along with um, Joel Embiid. Embiid can play some great defense, no cap. Um, and most improved player, like I said earlier, I got uh, Michael Porter Jr. And I also have De'Aaron Fox on that list. I think De'Aaron Fox can take another leap forward into that all-star, all-star caliber. I think he has that potential. It all depends on, you know, if he can stay healthy and if he can develop that jump shot. He's got a good mid-range. He's got a good pull-up, but he needs that consistent knockdown three-point shot, and he doesn't really have it yet. So, um, yeah, that's uh, season predictions. MVP, we got KD. Rookie of the year, we got LaMelo. Defense player of the year, we got Anthony Davis. Most improved player, we got Michael Porter Jr. And that's it. So we covered a lot of NBA today, all NBA talk today. Um, thank you for tuning in with me. That's, that's a wrap for, for episode five of uh, the podcast. We'll be back on Friday talking more music and culture. Um, so I really appreciate you guys tuning in with me, taking the time to uh, listen to me talk and uh, take hear these takes. I uh, hope you all have a blessed day.